I am Dr. Lamont Repolette, New Jersey's Commissioner of Education. Welcome to the DOE Digest, a podcast from the New Jersey Department of Education. It is a platform for information exchange in which the department will highlight the work being done by innovative and transformative educators around the state. I have been working to redesign the Department of Education to what I call NJDOE 2.0. This podcast is one of the ways that we utilize our digital platform to help strengthen teaching, leading, and learning and increase educational equity for the 1.4 million students across New Jersey. I hope you enjoyed today's topic. Hello and welcome to the DOE Digest podcast from the New Jersey Department of Education. I'm your host, Ken Bond. In this episode, we're going to be exploring the topic of newly arrived English language learners, also called ELLs or Ls. These students have a native language other than English, are in the process of learning English, and are new to U.S. schools. For this episode, I was able to visit two of our model bilingual ESL programs, Passaic and Atlantic City, to talk to their staff about what they're doing to ensure that newly arrived English language learners are welcomed at their schools. Before we hear from the staff, though, I wanted to introduce you to two students who are seniors at Atlantic City High School and who came in high school as newcomers to the U.S. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Kainat Malik and I live from Pakistan. Hey, my name is Kainat Malik and I belong to from Pakistan. I came here one and a half year ago. My name is Sarik Ramirez. I uh, from Guatemala. Tenía 15 años cuando vine a Estados Unidos. Hi, my name is Eric Ramirez. I came from Guatemala. I was on 16 years old when I came to the United States. So, what would you say one of the biggest challenges was for you when you when you came in to this new school? So, when I came for stay in school, I was so nervous. So, I was like uh, I never been outside from my country. Like I, w- I live in Pakistan, so I never been like in other countries. So first, that was my first time I came in United States. My first period was English, so I went there in class. So my teacher, she saw me. She was like, "I know you are nervous, but don't be nervous." She introduced me with other students, so I make friends there. So my first day in Alali City High School, I felt li- really. Um, sad and scared because I don't I didn't know body but when I came on my first period I met like five friends they were from Honduras and Mexico I feel good because I have friends at this time oh uh, the teacher can can say where you from me become my teacher my first teacher uh, she speaks Spanish and English so is no problem there with the Spanish, so she she speak me in Spanish. So the best thing was to how to get in class on time because on my on my country is very different. We just have four four five hours for each day, and in the same room. But in United States, you have to change the room for each day. That wasn't too difficult for me because my teacher. Every day she helped me how to get in class. Now I can do by myself and I can help somebody. If, if there's teachers listening to this podcast and they've never had someone from another country come into their school and then they, for the first time, have someone from another country come into their school, what advice would you give those teachers? Be like, 
frank because I was so nervous. So they they gave me like chance to be like not be nervous. So I will suggest them to do that with other students too. Our language changed, so we got so nervous. We don't know, like we don't know anything from other countries. So, so the the teacher is the one only one, so who can understand students, right? They don't know our language, but they can see everything in students. What my teacher she did it, so she Google it, she translate for me. So so she she went to the Google Translate and she translate everything for me. So she went, she like, uh, uh, so my first pair was English and my second pair was science. So she went with me to like drop me there in science class. Next year I met with Mr. Debol and he gave me the right suggestions about college and I'm senior in high school now. He gave me suggestions about my college and my uh, my language and if I if I have in, in like problem with students and anyone else he gave me suggestions he always gave me positive positive decisions don't he always says me that like don't be negative always be positive so i follow his suggestions if if i belong to another country they're like oh you're a special one i'm gonna help you you can do this never lose your hope they always like that so i love my teachers after meeting with these amazing students, I was able to glean some insights from the staff at the Atlantic City High School about how they run their program, the reasons behind the decisions they make, and what the future holds for their work. Hi, I am Beatrice Corvita, and I am the guidance counselor at Atlantic City High School. Hi, I'm Mark Diebold. I'm an ESL teacher and a sheltered instruction coach. Hi, my name is Kevin Corcoran. I am an ESL science teacher. When you think about newcomers in the context of your school, how would you describe a newcomer? This is Beatrice. I describe a newcomer actually in two ways. A newcomer can be a newcomer to the English language or a newcomer to our school and the United States. When a student walks through on their very first day, what does that look like here at Atlantic City High School? When a student comes to the high school, uh, we have a guidance secretary who is bilingual in Spanish, and the bulk of our population is Spanish-speaking. So what I'll do, I'll look at the uh, list of courses that they have brought from their own country of origin and decide where, and then of course their age also, where they will fall into the grade. If they are 18 and they have some credits, then we place them in the um, level 9th grade, 10th grade, 11th or 12th, where they would belong and, and take it from there and see if they could earn enough credits to either graduate or learn enough English whereby they can also pursue beyond the, the high school uh, a GED program. Another thing that I try to do is to, especially those students who do not know other students who are coming to the high school, I try to match them with a same language student peer who will help them throughout the day to identify the classrooms and the gym and the cafeteria and so on. This is Mark. When students first arrive, one of the things in addition to the WIDA screener to get an idea of their English proficiency level is we offer a questionnaire which is trying to get at their academic background and what life was like for them in, in their country. Uh, we'll talk to them through interpreters or 
through their parents or guardians to kind of get an idea on what their educational experience was like in, the, in their country because it's really important to find out as soon as possible. So through that questionnaire, we're getting the idea of did the student finish school in their country, you know, middle school? Are they, did they only go up to the fourth grade level? So through that conversation with students and their parents and guardians, that I think gives us a, a good idea of what their education was like in, in their country. And then we'll place them accordingly. One of the things we've also developed is a welcome DVD. So the students will, in the, hopefully in their own language, I think we have about five or six different languages that the DVD is in, they'll be able to watch the DVD and get themselves a little acclimated to the procedures of the school. The DVD was made a few years ago as an after-school activity. We got together with some of our students representing various language backgrounds, kind of brainstormed what they felt students would need coming newly from another, another country. From there, we kind of wrote the script in English, and then they translated it into their respective languages. So just kind of how to navigate the school and what teachers expect of them and what the various classes may be like. Uh, we also give them a little welcome bag that kind of um, includes some products that they may find useful as they um, enter American school system. Many students come to U.S. schools at or above grade level, but others come from countries that can't sustain their education and are students with interrupted formal educations or SIFs. Pay careful attention in this next section to what's discussed regarding making meaning and hands-on lesson planning. It's important that for students that do have an interrupted formal education, teachers don't just work on their language skills, but also build context so that students can learn language and content in their classroom, especially when they get to the older grades so that they can gain the credits they need for graduation. How do you build programs for students in the content area, especially when you have a bunch of different languages maybe represented in one classroom? Like, wh what, what do you do uh, outside of kind of that, just building their, their basic survival English to help them learn the content so that they can graduate on time? Uh, this is Kevin. Uh, I believe you said it uh, right there, is we have to build a program. I mean, we have to build courses specifically for uh, the challenges that we have. So if I'm picturing a, a student that needs to take Algebra 1, or if I'm just picturing a student that needs to take Biology to graduate, I think about being a, having been a biology teacher and knowing what they need, specifically the skills that they need. Not just content, not just reading, not just language, but the skills that they need to succeed in that class. Making a class, which we have newcomer science, that is streamlined to those skills. I am teaching them what they need specifically. But also, there's a lot of things we assume that they might know or assume that they, they uh, that we can pass over. And that is really what has been the learning experience for us, is designing a, a course or a lesson and then saying, oh, wait, we need to go back and do this. You always do the, the anecdote is, uh, of average. Like every time you do an experiment, you don't do it once, you do it a few times, and then you have to figure out, you know, the average measurement. And I just assumed that you just add them up and divide. And that was something that a lot of students you know, didn't have. And so we had to go back and specifically teach that. 
So that would be an example of a specific skill that you need to do. Um, I'm not teaching them everything about averages and mean and mode. No, I'm teaching them what they need to do the experiment to get them to the next experiment and adding the skills as they go along. Um, and we've and the other thing would be uh, besides you know designing the course and trying to get them there. It's it's we try to be as hands on as possible and inquiry based as possible. Like let them we give them a question and then we try to explore it and solve it and we use the resources that our school has We're between labs we have our greenhouse uh, and our new uh, marine research station where we take them out behind the school and actually utilize the school's uh, environment on top of a uh, an estuary marsh uh, uh, bay and so they get a lot of hands-on experiences that keeps their interest up early in my um, time you know being an ESL science teacher uh, in environmental science I assigned a uh, uh, we were learning about water and just tracing where water comes from, where they get their water, where the water comes out of their tap in this country. And then I had them make a small presentation of how they got water in, in their uh, home country. And it really realized how ignorant I was of just so many differences and not just so many differences in, in the struggles they had to deal with, uh, the taboos, the, the rituals, the cultural associations just with this one resource, water. And it really was, it was so illuminating for me. I learned so much. It made me a better teacher because it gave me a better respect for um, things I take for granted. And I really think that's the thing a content teacher has to um, come to terms with. If you take so much for granted or you assume so much, um, but really you got to learn just as much as them. To end our conversation, Mark had some very specific advice on how to build out ways to embrace newcomers and their families and their cultures in U.S. schools. You know, when you're working with newcomers or ESL students in general, they, they do share some similarities in that they're not at least proficient in English and they're entering a new culture, a, a new country, so they need to, need to you know, adjust to, to a lot of different things. Uh, I think of one student who came from uh, a Central American country and just taking the time to get to know that student and find out a lot about their experience before arriving in the United States and the struggles in their both in their country and getting here. Um, I don't want to go into too many personal details, but just as far as like losing family members, uh, leaving friends and family behind, um, I think it's really important that you get to know the, your students on on a more personal level so that you can really understand uh, what they are going through and what are the challenges they are facing, not just you know academically, but just as important, maybe even more importantly, are the social and emotional aspects of of what they are experiencing, and you know knowing a little bit about them, their country, their culture, and showing appreciation for their culture, their country, their language, goes a long way and to building that rapport with our students. We each year have a student staff community dinner in which the students dress in their traditional clothing. They invite a, a staff member or anyone who works for the Atlantic City uh, High School to this dinner. Um, parents are also invited. It's a, it's a great communal activity where we can share in the students' successes and meet the parents and 
it's more casual, you know, where teachers get to interact with students uh, outside of the classroom. So that event is, is a really wonderful event as well. Um, we've been identified as a model program in the state of New Jersey, so we definitely welcome uh, any school districts, any educators, administrators to come visit. Uh, we're more than happy to, to show them around and uh, introduce our program to them. The second half of this episode is a conversation with Passaic School District. I was able to meet with staff from both one of their middle schools and their district administration. My name is Yanel Mercedes Ortiz. I work at School 21, Sonia Sotomayor, and I do 6th, 7th, and 8th science, and bilingual as well. Uh, my name is Alfonso Blanco Rivas. I'm uh, School uh, 21, Sonia Sotomayor. I'm teaching 6th, 7th, and 8th grade bilingual language arts. So uh, the first thing I want to ask you is, you both teach uh, in both Spanish and English at different times, right? Or, uh, so what do you see as the advantage when you have students who are new to U.S. schools in teaching in their native language, in Spanish in your case? Okay, I'm Ms. Ortiz, and my opinion on this is that it's very important for them to be strong in their L1 in order to be able to project their L2. They need to have a strong foundation in their L1, which can be their native language, it could be Spanish, it could be Filipino, it could be Russian, whatever it may be. Okay, great, great. Mm-hmm. When the foundation in the Spanish language or in the native language is strong enough, the kids can transfer the, the concepts so easy that you will be amazed. If a school is thinking about how, how to help newcomers, let's say they have a group of students who, who, are, who are new and maybe they've never had students uh, before who, who are brand new to U.S. school and, and speak another language. What tips would you give them for welcoming students to their school? Uh, I feel as though they need to be open to their culture. And if you can implement the culture within the lesson itself, then you have a, you have a winning game there. Well, I think that uh, basically if you're having a, a getting to know you better in the beginning of the school year, I like to know where they come from, what type of dishes do they like to eat, what are their favorite hobbies. If you're able to see the child within itself as, a, as, a, as an individual unit, then you can build upon that. Also, the multiple intelligence theory is very important. I like to do inventory surveys, which Mrs. Cummings, she started at school four, and I'm gonna point her out for that reason. It's very important that teachers know where their kids come from and implement that ethnicity and the culture within the classroom all the time. That's what I do all the time. I ask, like, what do you, where do you guys come from? Okay, what do you do in your country when it comes to this? How can we implement this? What words do you see that you've actually seen in the past? So I think that implementing the culture within the actual lesson will help the kids actually gravitate to the lesson. They're going to be engaged. That's, that has something to do with what I know. So now I'm going to be engaged in the lesson as a whole. In today's world, with the technology that we have, there is no excuse for any teacher to adapt whatever lesson they have to the newcomers. It doesn't matter the country, it doesn't matter what some of them, they, they went to school with different ways of teaching. But when they come here, we have to adapt to all of them. After this great conversation about classrooms and meeting newcomers' needs in them, we move to talk about how districts can serve newcomers at the systems and district level. Hi, my name is Tiffany Allen. I'm principal of Sonia Sotomayor School 21 in Pasig, New Jersey. 
Gloria Vargas, Director of Bilingual ESL and World Languages in PSEIC. Rachel Goldberg, Assistant Superintendent for Curriculum and Instruction at PSEIC Public Schools. Great, awesome. So how do you build a school or a school system that's friendly to new arrivals to the U.S.? This is Tiffany um, Allen. For me as a school administrator, um, I felt as though that it was important for our students that are new arrivals to be welcomed into an environment that they felt that they felt, number one, safe, that they felt that they had a voice, the programs and the opportunities that they have at the school. For instance, uh, Sonia Sotomayor School 21 is a unique is in a unique situation, and the students that are here this year, they're in a unique situation because the school is brand new. So many of our L students had the opportunity to participate in Student Government Association. I'm just trying to give you an example. And they ran for positions in Student Government Association, and we encouraged them to do this because it gave them the opportunity for them to give their input and for them to be, be able to be more comfortable on the different activities that they wanted to see within the school. Basically, to become involved with the school community on top of the instructional support that they were receiving from teachers, in particular the same teachers, all of them having the same teachers, that they would enjoy their experience here at school and it would be, it would be an easier transition for them. We also strive to provide an environment that is conducive to learning. So taking care of the social emotional aspect of their lives, because when they left their native countries, they might have left behind a, a supporting system, family, education, friends. So we need to compensate for that. So not only the academics, but also the social emotional components of the student we, we strive to take care of. And this is Rachel. I think from a district perspective, uh, I think building on what both Gloria and Tiffany said, we have to value that every student that walks into our door is welcome as one of our students. Um, we don't ask questions. Uh, we accept them as children that are ready to be educated. And part of our work becomes really trying to look at those experiences. So when we're developing um, our goals and our plans for coming years and ongoing work, we're really looking at all facets of that, not just for students that are new to the country, but students that are new to, to the school or new to uh, the city. Uh, Passaic has long had a history of welcoming immigrant populations, and so it's, it's part of the fabric of this community is to welcome and extend arms and our schools and our curriculum development and our programs. Are, are built specifically with, with those, those pieces of the community uh, as, a, as almost like a, a critical piece of the fabric. You know, some students come to U.S. schools right on grade level or above, and they have a lot of strengths academically. Other kids may have strengths in other areas, but may come with interrupted schooling. So how do you balance serving both populations of newcomers or newly arrived students so this is Gloria from the bilingual department. We have um, the regular 
academic program for the students that are newcomers but are on grade level. And then for the students that we called SAIF or students with a formal education being interrupted at some point, then we have a program specifically for them where we try to provide all the, the tools, the resources, and differentiate their needs. So we expose them to the curriculum, but at their level. And they also have the resources that all the other students have available, but we bring them to their level. And then at one point, we continuously assess those students, and when they are ready to exit that setting, then they will go and join their ELL students in the academic programs. Great, Great. and uh, I know that one priority here that, that you've already talked about is bilingual support and bilingual education. What's the advantage of that for newcomers over another program that maybe is based in just English? So this is Rachel. There's there's a strong re- body of research that supports native language instruction when possible. Our system primarily supports Spanish language learners. We have students that speak Gujarati, and then we have some very small numbers of students that may speak another language. And by small numbers, I mean like one or two. We're not we're not nearly as as diverse in language backgrounds as some other school systems, which gives us then the ability to follow that research model that, where possible, provide native language instruction to do just as our teachers had spoken about, which is to establish um, under academic understanding and and language and knowledge in the native language and then use that as a critical transfer point into English language acquisition. Yeah, and just to uh, add to what Rachel just said, uh, this is Gloria, Uh, we provide professional development in the terms of biliteracy so teachers are equipped with um, strategies for to assist the students to transfer and and bridge and, and, and fill the gap from the native language to the English language. So when the students come in, as you said, being with all the concepts, the skills, and they are proficient in their native language, all they need is the language to be able to transfer those concepts. So we equip the teachers to help the students make that transfer through the biliteracy approach. To close our conversation, Gloria shared about the immense potential that newly arrived English language learners have as they enter the doors of U.S. schools. The three team members that we have in the bilingual in the division of bilingual ESL and world language, they came as newcomers. They went through the school system. One of them in Passaic, and they are now supervisors and instructional chair for our department. So that, to me, is a major indication of how successful ELLs could become if they are provided with the tools and the strategies to become successful citizens. I'd like to thank the Atlantic City and the Passaic City School Districts for hosting me as we explored this topic of newly arrived English learners together. I'd also like to point out two professional learning network opportunities from the New Jersey Department of Education. The first is the December 17th, 2019 
NJ Ed Partners Twitter chat around newly arrived English language learners. It will be taking place at 8.30 p.m. I'd also like to point out that New Jersey has model ESL and bilingual programs around the state, including Atlantic City and Passaic City. You are welcome to explore those programs by visiting the districts or contacting the districts, and all of their information is on the ESL bilingual page for the New Jersey Department of Education. We look forward to continuing to connect and engage with you about educating the 1.4 million students around the state and hope to talk to you on the hashtag NJEdPartners third Tuesday Twitter chat. You can subscribe to the podcast channel for DOE Digest through your iPhone, in the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you listen to podcasts so that you can get new episodes when they are released. Also, please leave us a review through the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone. It is the best way to help new listeners find us. Neither the New Jersey Department of Education nor its officers, employees, or agents specifically endorse, recommend, or favor views expressed by those interviewed. Discussion of resources are not endorsements. Thanks so much for listening.